What is up team? Welcome back to the show. It is Q&A time. Let's hop right into these questions. Oh, by the way, before we dig into this, I should say, if you have questions that you want me to answer on the podcast for you, every Monday, I drop a question box on my Instagram story. So first and foremost, if you don't follow me on Instagram, follow me at Jeremiah Bear, that's B-A-I-R. And every Monday, look out for that question box or at any other time during the week, feel free to shoot me a DM. I got you. I'll answer all your questions here. All right. So that said, let's hop into these questions. All right. First question we have is any thoughts on veggie supplements? All right. So no doubt you have a scene like uh, the green superfoods that are being marketed all over the place, right? There are endless like green smoothies. There's whole companies and businesses built around like quote unquote clean juice. There is, and I think what she's referring to here more than anything else is the actual powder drinks where you might order a container that is powdered greens or quote unquote powdered superfoods. You mix it in with water, smoothie, whatever. And that's supposed to give you a massive dose of your daily nutrient needs that you would normally get from whole fruits and veggies. So a couple different thoughts with this. This isn't something that I'm against, but it's also not something that I recommend. So here's why. Um, And the main person that I really learned, this used to be something that I recommended to clients, like, hey, it makes sense. This is packed with nutrients. And a lot of our clients don't eat enough fruits or veggies. Shit, a lot of times I don't eat enough veggies. Um, So why not add it in? Right. But Gabrielle Fundero, who was just recently on the podcast, scroll back what that would be three weeks ago. Great, great episode on Gut Health with her, by the way. Um, She was really the one that taught me more about this. So the thing here is when we were looking at the processes that these nutrients within the fruits and vegetables within a superfood powder are going through, all the heating and or drying that they go through, many of those nutrients are sensitive to these processes. So sensitive to either the drying process or the heating process. So thus we don't really know what the bioavailability of the nutrients within those superfoods are, right? So basically bioavailability means your body's ability to absorb and actually use those nutrients for what we would need them for, right? So like, um, well, it might say like, okay, I have like a banana or an apple has, or let's say spinach has this amount of this nutrient, this much spinach went into the drink, thus you're getting this much of the nutrient per serving. The reality is like through the process of drying and or heating it, some of those nutrients might not be available for your body to use anymore because basically the makeup of them has changed versus what they would be if you were actually eating a spinach leaf. So it's very unclear if you're actually getting the nutrients that you're chasing or that you think you're getting from said drink. And really there's no research that proves that these are effective. Um, any of really any of the now they're but on the flip side, they're not necessarily a negative either. I would say it's at worst a net neutral. There could potentially be a bit of benefit to it. 
Uh, really the only people or the only studies that seem to show that um, these are effective have like people that are selling it. Selling said supplements are associated with like the study or you'll see like big names promoting these and again it's because they're selling them. So really again well it's not necessarily something that is evidence-based it also is probably something that's going to be a net neutral at worst right and there could potentially be some benefits to it because you probably will get some of those nutrients that said i wouldn't recommend using it as a way to replace honestly any of your daily fruit and veggie needs um i would just aim to eat two to three servings of veggies per about a thousand calories and one or two servings of fruit per about a thousand calories that you're consuming um eat a diverse diet different colors all that fun stuff this is like the most boring shit to talk about normally so i won't bore you guys too long um but regardless like that's really my take on it now um a different perspective i've heard and like i can appreciate as well is it is just a good way to start a healthy habit for your day right or to start your day off in a healthy way so for some people it's very much like okay right out of the gate the first thing i do when i wake up in the morning is i'm gonna drink my greens drink maybe i'm gonna put some pink himalayan sea salt in it and this is something that i did for a long time as well um and like even if we know like hey maybe we're not for sure if this is actually giving me a positive benefit or not like the actual drink it's somewhat of a placebo, right? Because it gets you in the mindset of, okay, immediately I'm starting my day off with this healthy habit and then that carries over to everything else you do. And then like, if that if that thing is like the state change, if that flips the switch to get you in the place where, okay, I'm gonna be on point with all these other healthy habits throughout the day. Whereas like when we remove that, you are not as much, then absolutely it's probably worth it, right? Because your health, your physique is gonna change so much. And it's not necessarily because of that, the actual ingredients, but the placebo effect of that could have been the difference maker there. So it is something that I've recommended to clients in the past. It isn't something that I recommend any longer. Again, it's not necessarily quote unquote evidence-based, but I also don't think it's harmful. So I would say if you want to use it, perfectly fine it's probably a net neutral at worst but it's also pretty unclear if there's actually any benefits all right next question from the same listener how important is it to track your veggies and fruit all right so fruit i would say if there's a food group that you're not going to track veggies is probably the safest bet but it also very much depends on where you are at so let's dive into what i mean by that so if we look at two cups of spinach, I believe two cups of spinach has somewhere between 15 and 20 calories. So you are not going to just accidentally overeat like, oh fuck, I accidentally overate 500 calories of spinach and I didn't realize it. Like you would literally probably be dead from the amount of spinach volume you ate. On the flip side, if we look at a banana, okay, between like if I, I mean, a banana in itself is going to be like 120 to 150 calories typically. Most fruit is going to be at least 100 calories per serving. Now, there are some like watermelon, I believe, is pretty low calorie. Um, But still, like with most fruits, most fruits are more calorie dense. So I would say that 
there's never been a situation where I have a client who's tracking who isn't and straight up all their clients now track macros. So there's never been a situation where I've said, hey, don't track fruit. Just because again, it is relatively calorie dense, right? It's almost like, let's say we have one to two servings of fruit per day and that's gonna be another 240 calories. And that across the course of a week is like 1400 to 1500 calories that you haven't taken into account. So tracking fruit is definitely a good idea. When it comes to veggies, what I would say is most greens, you're probably okay not to track or typically I estimate. And again, it depends on where you're at. So on the flip side, if you want to see the absolute quickest fat loss results, so for example, you're in a fat loss phase, you want to see the absolute quickest progress, you don't want anything left on the table, then it makes sense to track everything and track it as accurately as possible. So like on my client, Jeff Haynes podcast, uh, like a month ago, I was talking about this, like, hey, this is why I'm tracking my spinach. And I'm literally, or this is why I'm weighing my spinach was the example. Because like, well, it may just be, okay, this is a difference of five calories across the course of the day. I really don't want to diet any longer than I have to. And any potential bit of measurement error that has me eating more calories than I think I am just means that the diet could potentially be extended longer than I want it to be. And again, I want to get this shit done with as soon as I can so I can get back to eating more food and not having to worry so much about like, hey, how accurately did I track my veggies? How accurate? So again, like the, it very much depends on where you're at. Again, with most, with most green veggies specifically, they're going to be the least calorie dense options. So those are the ones where like broccoli, spinach, um, kale, etc. Those are going to be the ones, A, most people just don't actually want to eat enough to rack up a ton of calories. Um, maybe that's my personal bias against green veggies. B, but yeah, you should actually eat greens. Um, B, again, they're not calorie dense enough to drastically overdo it. But I mean, when it comes down to tracking anything, I almost like to look at it like, let's say you have a specific savings goal in your bank account, right? It's very much, okay, we need to track how much is coming in and we need to track how much we're spending. In this case, how much we're spending is our movement, our training, etc. Of course, we're talking about calories here. How much is coming in is the food that you're tracking, right? Now, if like a big ass deposit comes into our bank, we wanna be able to see that, right? Um, on the flip side, Veggies are more like, okay, maybe there's, and again, it depends on the veggie, because if we're good, like, okay, a sweet potato, we could probably eat quite a few calories via sweet potato, which again is, or even like bell peppers, like we can rack up, uh, and again, by no means are they calorie dense, nor do I want anyone to think they should avoid these foods. But still, like, with the portion size that people eat is typically an account to about 50 to 150 calories right which is still enough that we want to make sure we're taking note of it whereas like the spinach example from earlier like hey if i want to make sure i'm tracking to like hit the savings goal as quickly as possible i probably do want to account for every quarter nickel dime that goes in there which is why we would even like greens hey i'm gonna track this that said if it's like I feel pretty good with where I'm at. I'm tracking almost all my expenses, but I don't want to take the time to worry about, okay, I have this receipt for 25 cents that I don't want to have to like enter that into the spreadsheet I have going on. Then I would say you'll probably still get there in a very, very similar time frame. So that's my take on that. Again, I would definitely track fruit. 
greens, green veggies, I prefer to typically guesstimate, but if you don't want to track them, it's probably not going to be a major detriment. Um, if you're someone that's in a phallus phase, you're not seeing as quick of results as you want, despite seemingly doing everything right, but you're not tracking your greens, I definitely would. Um, and then other veggies, like again, like corn is a great example. Corn is probably more calorie dense. It's more similar to fruit in its calorie content. So, okay, that's something that we want to track. So again, I like to keep that to, if we're not going to track it, it's probably mostly green veggies. All right, next question we have is, what is better for lower body muscle growth? supersets or normal heavy compound lifts so this is very much an it depends answer but generally i would say first of all like a superset isn't necessarily different than a normal heavy compound lift right like we can superset heavy compound lifts um that said in most cases if you have plenty of time i would err towards doing um just straight sets which i think is basically what she's asking like hey should i do supersets or should i just do one movement rest two to three minutes repeat so for clients that have adequate time typically i prefer straight sets where again okay so like let's say we have back squats right and even more so on lower body training versus upper body training this makes a difference because most of the muscles of your lower body are much larger than many of the muscles of your upper body. So thus we can build a lot more fatigue. So for example, if I am doing like a bicep tricep superset, okay, I'm not gonna create such a massive amount of fatigue in my tricep extensions that when I go to do some bicep curls, I'm just exhausted and I can't actually, like the rate limiter is the fact that I'm just, my cardio system is gas and I can't push my biceps, right? Like that's not a big concern. On the flip side, if I'm doing back squats, and then in between sets of that, I'm going to do a like a leg curl. Um, still, I'm going to be pretty taxed and very much like more so than upper body movements. There's going to be a little bit more interference. So what I mean by that is like if we look at the back squats and she's training for muscle growth, then she's probably going to be doing squats for her quads, right? So that means that to stimulate muscle growth, the thing that we want to be the rate limiter, the thing that causes you to fail the set to be your quads. Now, if she is doing hamstring curls in between sets, then there's gonna be a lot more fatigue in her hamstrings when she goes into the squat as well. Hamstring isn't extremely involved in the squat, but it's still part of the movement. And so again, like that's taking away from our ability to create maximum tension in our quads because we also then like have this low to mid-level hamstring fatigue throughout the movement and we're just not as effectively going to be able to stimulate our quads now similarly like and that that's the main problem here if we're looking at antagonist supersets so like basically that means opposing muscle groups so like your bicep and your tricep or your quads and your hamstrings there typically there's going to be a lot more fatigue or like same thing if we look at like okay if you're doing a hip thrust to a squat Again, your squat isn't going to be a great glute movement, so, but your glutes are going to be a lot more fatigued when you go into the squat. So you're kind of just making it a shittier version of the squat, right? Um, I think that really the only time there's a ton of, and again, like this is all within the context of how much time do you have available. So what I would say is for a client who has very, very little time available, and honestly, typically then, like if they're following a full body salad training, we would probably do like 
push pull and divide that between upper body and lower body so there's a little as little interference there as possible so again like maybe it's like an upper body like a high incline dumbbell bench press supersetted with a trap bar romanian deadlift right so then like one movement is working the muscles on the front side of our body and on our upper body the other is working the muscles on our back side of the body some upper body but almost almost primarily yet primarily almost exclusively lower body and of course there is some upper body musculature involved there but to a larger extent it's lower body now if it was just a lower body day honestly still what i would say is it's going to be a good idea for your compound movements so you should have at least one squat variation squat lunge variation and at least one hinge variation and that'll tick the boxes for quads and then glutes and hamstrings um you should have at least two of those that if at all possible i wouldn't have them supersetted with any other movements from there, then it, you can go into like, okay, so I've hit my main two compound lower body movements for the day. And again, this is if you're time limited. And then maybe I'm gonna superset like leg extensions and leg curls. Again, similar to that bicep tricep analogy. That's where it's, okay, neither of these movements are that fatiguing. I can do a superset, rest two minutes, repeat, and I can still perform pretty well on most of them. The other exception to this would be in what we call a metabolite phase. So sometimes with online clients, we will program typically every three to four mesocycles. So when we look at the mechanisms of muscle growth, we have mechanical tension, metabolic stress, and muscle damage. Now mechanical tension basically just means lifting heavy ass weights. So when you're doing your straight sets, like we talked about before, um, or like a top set and drop set, basically you're doing one movement, you are lifting challenging weight, um, we're resting two to four minutes between sets, that's a good way to apply mechanical tension, right? Like the muscle is under a lot of tension, you're lifting a heavy load. You're not necessarily chasing like a crazy pump. If it comes as a byproduct of that, great. But the number one thing we want is, we're chasing here is progressive overload. Now, metabolite accumulation is almost like an entirely different stimulus from that. So it's another stimulus that we know can be conducive to muscle growth. So basically think of this as getting a pump. Now here we're a little bit less focused on, uh, now progressive overload, I would still be mindful of progressive overload, but here again, like the number one outcome isn't to lift the most challenging weight possible per se. Of course, like if that's a byproduct of this, that's great, but rather like we're trying to get a crazy pump, right? Because that in itself is almost a different signal to your body for muscle growth that your body isn't used to. Now the thing is, it's, once every three to four mesocycles, which for most people is every five to six months, that we're gonna phase something like this in. We know that after about four to six weeks of training like this, it becomes much less productive. And also if we're constantly tra training just based around like metabolite accumulation, again, it's not that impactful. So, but like in a metabolite phase on like a quad focused lower body day, we might do something like, hey, we're gonna have you do a pre-exhaust or post-exhaust superset. So for example, we're gonna have you do leg extensions, which of course really isolate the quads. And then you are gonna go into a heels elevated Smith machine squat, right? Or a leg press, or a dumbbell walking lunge. Or on the flip side, maybe we're gonna do a dumbbell walking lunge into a leg extension. So there we do a superset. That would be like the application for it with lower body training. But still realizing even on days like that, we're still gonna have, like again, if it's a quad focused movement, we're gonna still have one primary squat or lunge focused pattern 
that is much more quad focused. Like, okay, maybe before this, you're gonna do four sets of seven to 10 heavy hack squats to one RIR, and you're gonna rest two to four minutes between those. We're still getting that mechanical tension. And then before we move on from quads to glutes and hamstrings, we're gonna do one superset, maybe three to four rounds. That's gonna have, get you a crazy pump in your quads. So really that's the application for it. And that is all the questions we have for today. Now, before I let you go, I wanted to remind you of our online coaching service. So if you've been trying to transform your physique so far in 2021, and what you're doing hasn't been working, now's the time to make a change. The mistake that many people fall into is not taking advantage of opportunities to change without realizing that if you're not actively, if you're not getting the results you want, and you're not seeking out opportunities to change, you are choosing to continue to get the same results that you're so unhappy with. So if this sounds like you, if you've been trying to transform your physique and what you're doing hasn't been working, make a change, click the link in the show notes to apply for coaching with our team. And a member of our team will reach out to you within 24 hours to set up a strategy call, determine if we're a good fit to work together and map out what your next three to six months and beyond look like working with us. All right. And that is all I have for y'all for today. As always, thank you for tuning in.